As some of you may have heard, on Friday we announced that Liz Manischel is now going to be the new full-time co-host of Making Movies is Hard. Woo, yeah, Liz, woo. I'm so excited to have her on board. Things are going to change a bit. Um, We're going to get a new logo going, try some new things, um, hopefully be more engaging with everybody Get some new stuff out there, maybe some merch. I don't know. Liz has got some great ideas, but um, I'm really excited about this. It's uh, been hard this last uh, almost a year to do this by myself, and you know, it's uh, I'm just so excited to have Liz on the team. It's it's, it's fantastic. So I wanted to let just let everyone know that we're not necessarily going to be having all Liz all the time quite yet, because I still have about eight or nine episodes in the can and some are Liz episodes some are not Liz episodes and this is not a Liz episode (laughs) so those of you excited to hear Liz she's not going to be here this week I think she'll be with us next week though I've got um, our first um, you know one-on-one episode that we recorded once we decided or once Liz decided she's going to come on the show that's really exciting so that might be next week or the week after And then, um, you know, we're going to start doing some alternate-based episodes soon because the alternate crowdfunding is going to start in a couple weeks, probably. And the movie's going to be made in October. I'm, like, working overdrive on it right now. So, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff coming up. Um, You know, if there's certain things you want to hear about with the alternate, let me know. I'll talk about them as I'm doing them, and yeah, we'll just keep this podcast rocking and rolling, and you know, I'll probably have to take a break when we shoot, and that's why I have so many episodes banked up, but hopefully we'll get as much alternate-based stuff out there, um, you know, as we can. Also, Liz's movie, Speed of Life, is going to be coming out soon, and we did a bunch of episodes about Speed of Life, so that's been really fun. We've done two, we're going to do a few more. So, so look out for those in, in the fall. But uh, but yeah, thanks again for everyone for listening. And I'm really excited about Liz being on the show. But for now, here's episode 220 with co-host Isaac Pingree and sound mixer Jeff Dragomanovich. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Isaac Pingree. This week we are really excited to welcome old friend of us and friend of the show, field sound mixer Jeff Dragomanovich. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I didn't know I was a friend of the show. Well, I mean, you've listened to the show, haven't you? Once or twice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, one time a million years ago... Thanks to be a friend. You sent me a photo of a sticker or a, a paper that someone had put of our podcast in their office at like some place in San Jose or something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And to me, that's only a thing a friend would do. That's true. So that's why I say that. Thanks. Um, so Jeff has been a Bay Area-based sound mixer for the last 10 years. 10 years, really? 10 yeah. years? Okay. Yeah, Working well, on commercial, uh, corporate, yeah. and documentary projects. His company is called Appetite for Production. Jeff is also an accomplished filmmaker, having directed a couple short documentaries, including a documentary about local drag queen Peaches Christ, which premiered at the Seattle International Film Festival. Is that all correct information? That's correct. I I see you updated my <laughs> my my uh, my intro for it to be factually correct. That's good because I didn't have all the facts. That's all good. Um. So Jeff, uh, really quick, for, first question. Is sound mixer your preferred Whose phone uh, was title? That? Isaac, it doesn't matter. It wasn't my Whose phone. <laughs> it was mine. It was my computer. Uh, I apologize. Um, is sound mixer your preferred title, or do you go by sound recordist or field sound mixer? Like, what what title do you prefer to have? That's a good question, and I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, when I was working it, 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 in the early days we were calling them sound recordists. That was like what I build people as for, and it wasn't like sound mixer because sound mixer is more like in reference to post audio, you know, and then you could say field sound mixer, which I guess is more accurate to what you do. But 
I don't know. Like, what do you go by? Like, what what is your preference? You say you don't care, but what what is the one that you prefer? Uh, typically, I'll tell people location sound recordist or location sound mixer. Okay. Um, and more often than not, they interpret it as that I'm at home on a computer. Oh, really? Doing sound effects. Oh, that's funny. Well, sound recordist sounds to me accurate. Isaac, I don't know. What's your favorite? What do you think they should be called? Uh, I don't really have a favorite. You don't have a favorite? But uh, I was going to ask what it actually, what he puts on, like, since he said he didn't have a preference, but, like, what does it say on his invoice or something? Uh, my invoices say location. I think that, yeah, I think they say sound mixer. Or, I don't know. Location right. sound mixer? Uh, sound recordist, I, I believe is what it says. A sound recorder. See, I like sound recordist. I think that's old school, but I don't know if people really use that term as much these days, but I guess they do because you do. So that works. Um, so Jeff, to, you know, to stop me from rambling, just give us a, your quick one minute bio of your background, like what you do, all that stuff, whatever you want to include. Um, I show up on set and record sound. Uh, you know, it doesn't get more complicated than that. Typically. That, that's it. You don't yeah. want to say anything else about like, you know, I'm from San Jose and I've been working in the industry for Art so long. Art write so. you a quick script. Wasn't uh, shouldn't that be like a separate question? I, I was looking no, at your questions and that. No, was you're supposed to give your like one like about imagine like your bio on your web page. Like okay. give us your bio in one minute of like okay. your background. Uh, originally uh, from San Jose, uh, I do live in uh, Pacifica now, just uh, south of San Francisco. Originally, I was in the hospitality industry. I uh, worked at a hotel uh, for about uh, 10 years. And uh, fortunately, in uh, 2008, I was laid off. And uh, I knew I didn't want to go back to that industry. I, I was burnt out from it. And uh, through help from family and, and, and prodding of my, my parents, I was able to find my way into the film industry. How, what was, how did that start? How do you? What's the first step of that transition? Uh, well, the first step was my, my dad finding uh, a list of classes at uh, a couple of the, the South Bay community colleges. Uh, I think it was De Anza and uh, Foothill College, and you know, found some a list of classes there. And I sort of was like, "What do I have to lose?" Like, a, like a, something I'd always wanted to do was work in the film industry. But uh, when I was younger, I always thought that you had to have. I thought you had to live in LA, and I thought you had to to, to know somebody, and and you know, didn't think it was something I that was available to me. And when I saw the list of classes, you know, it, it sort of just uh, turned on a light bulb for me. And uh, you know, I just went for it, started taking all the classes I could, and eventually transferred to SF State and got a, a degree in uh, cinema production. Nice. So did you, before you took the classes, like, did you do any research into like what the jobs, what jobs were actually existed in the Bay Area for in film? Like, did you do any like research into you know if there's lots of camera people being hired or sound people or any of that or did you just like see the classes and take the classes saw the classes took the classes uh i knew from the very first class that i took the the, the very first day of class that that i was going to make this work somehow and uh at, through my first uh, uh semester uh they I, I basically started drifting towards sound at that point i i thought i would do post sound because I really like the idea of, of doing like sound effects and, and foley and stuff like that, but uh, found that I liked being on set too much and didn't like sitting at home on a computer. So then, in school, was that when you did your first like field recording, like as a class or something? Yeah, somehow I was always the guy early on that was like, "Oh, Jeff does sound. Let's, you know, we'll hire, we'll bring him on for all these student projects." And you know, I was more happy. I was happy to do it. It was exciting. And did you feel like, was there any kind of challenge like coming into that as being your second career? Because, you know, I I, mean, I don't know what you, your school was like or if there was a lot of younger people there, but like, you know, you must have been like, what, in your your mid-30s at that point probably or something like that, you know, or roughly? He's not in his mid-30s. That would put him at like in his late 40s now. <laughs> uh, I was uh, 20, probably like 28, I think. 28, okay. Yeah. Nice. When that started. Uh, I was nervous uh, going into it, thinking I was going to be like, you know, this ancient guy going to school. Um, right. But it felt like half the students were, you know, typical college age, 19, 20, 21, and the other half were people in their 40s and 50s. 
Oh, so. really? So there were other people, you know, who are older than you even in, in the classes. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. older than Jeff. Well, I'm not trying to say like he's <laughs> super old. I just know that uh, I always thought Jeff was exactly my same age. And then I found out later that, you, you know, he was a few years older than me. So I was like, you know. Ari and Jeff and I man. work together a lot, so I think I'm having a problem going from uh, like the carpooling to a job together, jokey mode, <laughs> to serious podcast uh, mode. Right. Anyways, that's fine. We can we can make this like you know because that's basically what the podcast is. It's like our conversation, you know, driving to Sacramento for a job, like but like on the air, basically. Um, so I think we're in a good space. Uh, so. Basically, so you knew that you wanted to do sound. So when you left school, it was our, did you already decide, like, yes, I'm going to be a sound person? Yeah, yeah. It was really my, my first uh, couple classes that I started taking where um, I, I, I saw a lack of people that were willing to do sound. And, and when I was in school early on, there was really only one other guy that I uh, found that was interested in doing sound. And we sort of would, would talk about it from time to time. And uh, everyone, most everyone else wanted to do camera or direct. And so for, for me, I, I, it was like, you know, if nobody wants to do this, you know, I, I think I'm going to put my effort towards that. And uh, it'll be a way for me to get my foot in the industry. And fortunately, I, I like doing it. Do you remember your first paid post-school gig? Oh, not specifically. Because I, I was doing like, I was doing gigs in school before I graduated uh-huh. that, that were paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't recall exactly what, what it was. Did it feel like even while you were in school, like, okay, this is my career now. This is a job. It wasn't like there was a, a transition period. I mean, I know for like, for me between, it was probably like two years, no, maybe even three years, let's say between like graduating from college and making and paying my rent with money from, from freelance video production jobs. And I kind of had... Yeah, I, I, stuff on in between, you know. Yeah, I tried to make the mental transition during my my last semester at SF State, and mm-hmm. uh, by the time I graduated, I was already considered myself, you know, a, a working uh, sound mixer, sound recordist. So you got your first job while you were in school, then? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 small little jobs. Um, okay. With uh, other people that I had gone to school with at some point. And then, did you, had you already bought equipment? at this point or were you borrowing equipment or renting it like what, what was your steps there uh, I did buy early on uh, when I was uh, still going to the community colleges in South Bay nice and uh, then how did you and you just decided what to buy based off of what you were using in the class basically yeah let me add to that question did you realize that that's like did someone explain that that's how the industry works kind of sound guys are like kind of owner operators with their gear usually so uh, that was just something I assumed I, I didn't I think okay. I, 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 I'm sure I looked at like, like rental websites, like, uh, you know, in the South Bay at the time it was borrow lenses and looked at their sound kits and was like, you know, they want X amount of money to rent this, this kit. Ooh, borrow lenses, boo. Yeah. Not a fan, you know, but I, I looked at what they were renting for sound gear and to me, it never made sense to rent. So I, I had bought early on. And so then to follow up on that question, like once you have your equipment and everything and you're ready to like go out into the world, like how did you decide what to charge for uh, for what you do, you know, for for a day rate, or how did you decide it even was a day rate and it wasn't hourly? Was it something that someone taught you in school, or did you just figure that out? I definitely did ask uh, other people that were already uh, in the industry, uh, you know, what, you know, how the whole rate thing works, and uh, established early Where on. Where did you meet those people? How'd you ask them? Uh, just people that I, I had met on set. One of the first guys that I, that, that I met early on was. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dan Williams. Oh, nice. Uh, through his experience as well, I, I uh, connected with him and uh, learned how, uh, you know, because he, he works at, at, on the rental side and will hire a crew out. So I, I learned through him, you know, that you should be charging a day rate and that, you know, in the Bay and Area. And how did you meet Dan? I uh, met Dan on set of a student film in Berkeley. He, he went to Berkeley. I drove up for a shoot and uh, uh, from the South Bay and uh just met on and that was like a, a a classmate of yours film that he also knew just kind of a thing like that uh i i had been brought up by the dp of the shoot that i was that i had gone to school with and okay. somehow he was connected with the director of the of that short film so then 
And then, so they kind of instructed you on, like, what to charge and, and everything. And did you end up, like, starting charging, like, way under the rate just because you were new? Or did you always just go straight to the, to, like, the standard rate that people were telling you? Like, how did you navigate that? Uh, at that point, I was taking whatever job I can get. You know, I, I didn't really learn what the proper rates were for uh, my profession. Well, that's a really difficult thing to figure out. So, I mean, I feel like if anyone's listening to this who is like younger than us or just starting or trying to figure this out, like I'm trying to yeah, think or, like what's new useful to the because, industry. Yeah. Right. What's useful? Like you can't just go up to people and ask them about their rates. That's not what you're supposed to do. But you can like, I don't know what, you kind of find somebody like you did with Dan or I'm thinking who's like can be a little, you know what I mean? Who's like willing to kind of sneak you some tips you know i don't know it's kind of a, a difficult thing to navigate a little bit right yeah i've been that person for a number of people who've just like texted called or emailed and like asked me like so like what do you charge like how do you break it down or whatever and then i learned things like they've been charging hourly rates for shooting and and all this stuff and i'm like what in the world <laughs> like where did you get hourly from that's not how we do it you know, and then like I just sort of lay out how it works and what prices are. And I even go into details like as far as what I charged when I started and then what is standard, you know. Um, right. And I yeah. think even new people, because it's not really intuitive, like it's 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 a thing in our business where you have like a day rate plus a gear rate, which is not, not right. doesn't really um, uh, there's there's not really an exact analogy to that in another business. It's not like a. Um, a carpenter is like charging you separately for each tool he's bringing. Um, so I don't think that always makes sense to people at the start either. Like I find a lot of younger people are not, are not charging extra if they're bringing gear. It's just like them and their package at whatever right. rate or even, yeah. Conversely, like I have noticed some like really young people who just like they hear what the day rate is and what the standard rate is, and then they just charge that. Like even if they've only been in the industry for like true. a year or less, right? And Confident you're like, people, really? Like why the would opposite you do, like, of me? Yeah. Like <laughs> how are you? Like really? Like you want me to pay you full rate, and you're going to complain if I'm going to go slightly under rate, and you've only been doing this for like you a, were pretty a good year at that now. though. I feel well, like I remember when you were charging it when we were young and me feeling like, dear God, really? Well, but I would like go up a little bit marginally, you know, um, and yeah, but, you know, I was working for like under $200 a day for a really long time, you know, before mm -hmm. I like, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, Jeff, Isaac and I, we're always talking about how like we remember when getting $200 a day was like. You know, felt like a humongous amount of money to us. You know? I never thought two hundred was a humongous amount of money. Well, <laughs> but I did. I did appreciate the early jobs to get the experience. Well, well, just show. But we also level. weren't. You weren't like shooting for that. That was kind of more no, like no. the whatever like PA, PA or assistance or yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, I did. I have shot for for that though. When for you sure. first start out and and you're working, you know, one professional job a month, like. You, you probably take whatever you can get at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So then how long do you, did it take you to get established where you like weren't charging, you weren't undercharging, but you were like kind of more at a standard rate where that was like acceptable, you know, and other sound people were charging roughly around the same. Uh, it took me about a year professionally. Wow. That's pretty good. Uh, and, and then, then after that you felt that you were kind of, ensconced in the kind of Bay Area corporate scene. Actually, that's a question I have. There, there must have been a switch from doing more like short film stuff at school to the corporate Silicon Valley stuff that makes up the bulk of, of work that there is in the, in the Bay Area, I feel like for most of us. Yeah, I, I tried to make the change as soon as I graduated. Um, and I, I was still getting phone calls uh, from, from people back in school uh, to work on their projects, and I, I turned most of them, if not all of them, down at first, uh, just because I was trying to transition to that professional world. Because you were like, I'm not in this to make your art film. I'm in this to make a living. Uh, it, it was more like trying to change change people's perception of what I was doing. I think if you, you know, if you're going to charge a certain rate, people will associate you with, you know, if you're if you're going to charge undercharge people will always keep you in that in that frame of mind. So, mm. you know, once you decide to, to raise your rates, you'll find that you'll you'll lose pretty much 
most of those uh, customers that, that that you've that you've worked with, because uh, I think in their mind that it's like, well, I used to get this guy for X rate, now he's now he's charging this rate. Like, did did that happen to that you a it? lot though, where you uh, lost customers? For sure. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like since because I've I've hired you for sound a bunch in the past, and since we've known each other, you know, your rates have definitely gone up, just as my rates have gone up, you know, and. I, you know, I'm, I'm still here. So I'm sure there's lots of other people like me, you know, in your life who've been hiring you from all, not, well, I wouldn't say from the beginning, but all, like near the beginning, you know, and who are still hiring you for stuff. Yeah. I, I think you're in a different place because you are, you were establishing yourself at the same time because you were, right. uh-huh. you were working at Studio B as a rentals guy. Sense. And yeah. then you, you made your way out of there. I think you, you left Studio B and then Dan came on and that's when, when I, really started talking to Dan. Oh, really? So you, so you, but you knew Dan before he was at Studio B though, right? Before that? Yeah. 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 And then I didn't meet you until after I left Studio B. Is that right? Or did I meet you while I was still there? Uh, no, I, I met you afterwards. I think yeah, we were both. Yeah. We, I met you on, on set somewhere. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> this is all the information people <clears throat> wanted to know. Um, well, here, here's let's get into more like uh, process related questions, you know. So, like, I think this episode's supposed to serve for like someone who's thinking of a career in sound, you know, and like wants to know more about what this job is actually like. So, can you just run through like what your day is like as a sound uh, recordist? Uh, show up on set. You you pretty much have your your gear ready to go at that point. You know, batteries in, everything's charged. You know, depending on how many wireless. Uh, Let me jump in here. One of the things I learned from Jeff, one in the show up on set part is Jeff's is uh, Jeff's got a little uh, I don't know cart with a cup holder on it, oh, and yeah. so when you're showing up to set and you can put your coffee in that, uh, I immediately ordered two of those after I saw that he had one. <laughs> yeah, most that, important thing is there cup holders on your cart. <laughs> it is, yeah, and it's really the only thing people comment on. That's funny when they, when they see my gear. It's like, oh, where'd you get that? It was like I they're not talking about the thousands of dollars worth of gear. They're talking about the cup holder. You right. also have those sound, uh, like like we're recording. Please be quiet. Sound uh, posters or whatever you call them, signs, right? Yeah, yeah. I think people comment on those a lot too. <laughs> yeah, because not That's every cool. sound person does that. And and I was on a shoot recently where our sound person also did that. And like the producer who hired me, who was like complimenting me on like how well this shoot went was like, yeah, and you had the signs up for, like, recording and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, well, that's just a good sound person, really, is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny how that detail is something that sticks out to people. Yeah, it's a little Anyways, weird. we interrupted. So you you get to set, you make sure your batteries are charged, you make sure to bring your equipment. Uh, you also think, the thing about you, Jeff, which is really great, and, you know, without fail, like, I don't think I've ever, this has never happened. This has always happened every time I've worked with you. You're always there at least 30 minutes early, if not 50, if not more than 30 minutes early. Uh, like, is that something that you just, is really important to you that you just get there really early just in case? Uh, yeah, I, I, I never want to be the guy that, that, uh, you know, people are waiting on, you know, yeah. the, the old, the old, uh, oh, waiting on sound. I, I never want, you know, people, people to say that. Early is on time, on time is late, late as you're fired. Yeah. And I mean, you learn that early on. Right. And uh, f- for me, it you know it has to do with with traffic mostly. Like I, I never want to be the guy that's stuck because there's an accident on on the 101, and uh, and that's why I'm late. While everyone else was coming up the 280. Okay, so back to your day. So you, you're there. You're on set. You arrive. You're there early. If they have breakfast, you eat your breakfast. Uh, then what do you do? Uh, pretty much. Uh, it's a weird question, guys. Well, like, who's the first person that you like? Like, yeah. who is, tells is, is, you like, what the to producer do? Who like who you check in with, or is there a director, or like, do you just show up and then like someone is like, oh, it's sound, and then they just take control? Like, how, how does it work for you on set? Like, who is your point of contact? Uh, point of contact is is always different, um, especially with with you know the corporate shoots. Usually, it's either a director or uh, an AD or or the PM, and uh, you know, ask them to walk you through the day uh, if you don't have a schedule already. Uh, uh, just a, a check in with uh, uh, what time talent's going to show up, and and uh, you know, kind of go from there. 
like when you get there and like they give you that little rundown or whatever, like what are some of the first questions that you ask? Is it like, where do I stage? Like, is there anything else that you need to know right away? Or is it just like, you know, it's always different. Like you, you I'll ask, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, where's a good place for me to stage. And, uh, uh typically I'll set up where, right where the camera needs to go. Uh, and then get asked to move because I'm <laughs> trying to, I'm place. trying to earn like a side hustle of, you know, finding out the, the perfect place for camera. Right. <laughs> um, and then, so you mic up your talent or whatever, and it's generally like, what, what is a typical job for you? Like, just explain to people, like, this isn't like big budget commercials that you're doing every day, right? Like what's your bread and butter, the thing that you go out like three, two times a week, three times a week on? Uh, corporate definitely is a uh, bread and butter. I think that's probably what it is for most of the people in the Bay area. And that yeah. those are typically single person interviews. You show up, throw the boom up on the, uh, on, on a C stand and, uh, mic them up when they show up on set and let them do their thing. Nice. You know what you... we didn't, sorry, go ahead, Art. No, you go ahead, Isaac. Um, we kind of briefly asked you about when you bought your gear, but we didn't ask exactly, or did we, just exactly what you have and how you decided to buy that and when you upgrade, how do your, how do your gear decisions work? Uh, how, in de- how in depth do you want me to get into that? I think we can go pretty in depth here. <laughs> okay. Uh, first thing I ever bought was uh, a Zoom H4n and a, uh, a pair of headphones, Sony 7506s, which are have always sort of been the industry standard. And from there, I went out and bought a Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic. And I thought it was, I thought it was set. I remember, I remember my dad asking like me, like, you know, how much gear I had to buy at, at that point, after that point. And I remember thinking that I was set, that I didn't need anything else, that that right. would get me through everything. Right. And uh, several mixers later, you know, and, and thousands of dollars later, it's, you know, you find out that it's a never-ending. Mm-hmm. So uh, when did you get your first kind of uh, big boy mixer? Uh, right after I graduated, I bought a Sound Devices 664 and used that for many years and then switched over uh, to the uh, Sound Devices 633. And had you seen other sound uh, people working with that? That's how you knew to buy it? Or did you like research online what most folks are using? Or how you, how'd you come up with that? Yeah, a combination of, of research online and, and talking to other people. Sound Devices has, I mean, they're they're as about a, as professional as you can get, and they sound great. Clean preamps. There's a few other competitors out there that I would like to try, but uh, I'm in the Sound Devices ecosystem, so I think that's where I'm going to stay. Did you ever go out with like an established uh, sound recordist? and shadow them or anything like that. Like, I'm just thinking from my own experience, like I wasn't really an AC, I was more like a PA, but I'd like assist some other camera dudes and then in in kind of these corporate video settings and I'd be like, okay, I see how this works so that when I'm in in their spot, I can kind of do it like this, you know what I mean? Or did you kind of just figure it out? A combination of both. I definitely did uh, some boom up jobs. Right. And uh, uh, tried to learn as much as I could from, from from the mixers that I worked with on those shoots. How'd you get those? Just like Craigslist or things? Uh, or word of mouth. People would, would call me up and say, hey, we need a, a boom up for this shoot. Are you interested? And it's like, absolutely. So that's that's a perfect little step, right, In the that exists in the sound world because, right, an established mm-hmm. mixer is going to want to boom up on certain uh, sets. So that makes sense. All right, so let, let's let's talk like about the challenges that a sound uh, recordist face on set because, like, you kind of alluded to it already. Like, you know, you're always in the way of camera, but like, what kind of like struggles do you face when you're trying to record clean sound? Is it just like the standard airplanes and windows being open and fridges being on and stuff, or like, you know, like what is your experience there and how do you overcome those challenges? Uh, yeah, the, I think locations is always the biggest challenge. Uh, getting a nice clean location uh, is really paramount to getting clean audio. And if you don't have that, you don't have anything. But like one of the things I hear a lot, you know, <laughs> from sound people is how like no one's really listening to sound. You know, like everyone's caring about camera and picture and everything. 
and that sound sort of gets the short end of the stick. But like, do you feel that way, or is that just like something that like you know melodramatic sound people say? Uh, no, that's 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 true a lot of times, and uh, you know sometimes you're working with uh, directors and, and 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 crews that you know are, are putting all their effort into either content or or the picture, and you have to be the one guy on set that is uh, reminding them that you know sound is ha- is half the picture. Um, well, here let's let's go into more of like a really you know technical question, like. You know, what is your technique for hiding a lavalier on someone? Like, how do you approach that? Uh, it's it's always different. It really depends on what their wardrobe is, what kind of what kind of shirts they have on. What you know, are they wearing a dress? Are they wearing, you know, a, a business suit? Um, there's not one right way. There's not one one way that works for everything. Well, here here's uh, here's one. So, like, I think most of us understand. Well, I don't know if that's true, but like you know, with a jacket or a sports coat for a man, like that's a pretty easy mic, you know, clipping situation. Like, especially if you're not hiding it, like that's no brainer, you know, and then hiding it in that situation is also pretty easy. But like, let's start with a hard one first. Let's do a woman who has no belt. She's wearing like a dress that's pretty short and it's like a low cut blouse. So there's no anything on the top and like, it's just sort of like a rim, you know, above her chest, and there's not really any place to, to put it. So what do you do in that situation? Uh, you probably use a, a bra clip, and then, uh, you know, you can sometimes uh, clip the microphone on the back of a bra as well, the uh, the transmitter. Oh, the mic pack? The mic pack. This is kind of a sensitive situation, like, right? Because, like, sometimes, like, a dude sits down, and you're like, hey, and you just kind of, like shove a mic right into their shirt. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? You just like, unbutton their shirt for them and you jam a mic up yeah, their you, shirt and then it's like, you know, and, I mean, you do it gently, <laughs> of course, and, you know, respectfully, but it's like a little bit more comfortable. Right. They're, they're, they're less likely that they're going to be uncomfortable and that you're going to be uncomfortable because right. yeah, whatever. I, I, I always try to walk, yeah. if they're, especially if they're, if they're not professional talent, I, I, I walk them through everything I'm doing, uh, tell them where I'm going to put the mic, where I need it. And, um, you know, if they're comfortable with me doing it, I'll do it. Um, if they would prefer to do it themselves, then we'll we'll try that first. And, and then you just kind of narrate or give them a description, and then they. Yeah, exactly. And uh, most people are okay with you doing what you need to do. They they know you're there, you know, to, to make them sound good. And then, did you learn about bra clips and all this other stuff like in school, or was this stuff that you had to figure out later on, like once you were challenged with like you know, like oh, there's no place to clip the mic pack. What do I do? Yeah, exactly. You, you, you just through experience, basically, and, and and going online. There's a lot of good places online where you can find out uh, information. Yeah, you, you see what, what products are coming out, what new products are, are there, and you, you know, you, you buy all the, all the mic accessories and try them out, see if they work for you. What are some of the other like standard like sort of mic uh, attachment like doodads and things that you will have in your arsenal that you know if if you're just figuring this out and, you, and you're not experienced like you wouldn't think to have like. Like list through some because you know when when I was first micing people for video production shoots like where it was just like a one person shoot basically, I remember the first time I came across a woman with with a dress that didn't have a belt or anything, and like I literally had no idea what to do and I I think I ended up putting the mic pack on the floor you know out of frame and then I like had to clip them because I didn't have any hiding anything no tape nothing so I just clipped it to like the top of her shirt. And then it looked really awkward, but at least it was on there. At least we could hear her, you know? Um, so, like, list some things that you have that, like, have saved you in, in various situations. Uh, like, double-sided wig tape. Top stick uh, was okay. something I found early on nice. uh, that, I, that I still use today. Um, moleskin is, is important to have. Uh, some uh, uh, medical tape. Nice. Tape on the mic down is, is good. Moleskin, medical tape. What else you got? Uh, what else I got? Uh, Joe's sticky tape. Works okay. great. You got a lot of tapes. Lot of tape. give, give me something else. I know there's more. Is there? There's a lot more. <laughs> I know because I've worked with a lot of sound guys, and I mean, I'm sure that you, I think you have these same things. So just uh, give me some more. Uh, wh- one of the things I use most often is uh, with the sinking uh, Cos 11 uh, level ears. 
Mm-hmm. They come with a little uh, RM rubber mount that the mic goes into. Oh, and oh nice. I, I, I yeah. probably use that most of all. And so how do you use that? Like, tape. You, you use that as like you put it in the rubber mount and then you tape that onto someone's clothing, under like hidden underneath their shirt or something? Yeah, exactly. Okay, nice. Are you uh, finding there's, you're taping there's tie clothing clips. more or taping to the skin underneath the clothing? Uh, it, it really uh, varies on... Uh, yeah. Uh, on the person and and with and you know if if you think they're going to sweat it off once you know once the people start sweating that that tape won't stick right wait so you said tie clips is that something else yeah if you want to if you want to hide a mic in their tie knot okay so it's a tie clip so it's like something that's specifically designed to clip to the inside of a tie it doesn't clip in a tie but it's basically like a a little plastic piece that that the mic fits into and you put it into a tie and it just creates a little space for the mic to hide in Okay. So it doesn't rub on the uh, on the tie. You got any more? Uh, yeah. There, I mean, there's vampire clips. Right. Got, well, vampire. Is. Yeah, I remember those. That's that was like one of the first tools I used at Studio B was vampire clips. Yeah, they, they, I, I don't use those too often because they always break. Right. And they're, and they're well, pretty expensive. Tape seems to be way better than vampire clips in, in, in the end. Like I, you know, now using tape and moleskin, I'm like, why wasn't I using tape and moleskin when I first started? Like, why did it take me like three years to figure out that tape and moleskin was the way to go? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Why did it? What? Like, I, mean, I don't how, know. How often ask are ask, you ask you David Collier that? at Studio B. He was the one who trained me. Oh, <laughs> burn. Just kidding. He's actually might be on the show, so I shouldn't, uh, you know, I love, I love David. David's <laughs> like, a great guy. Yeah. David's awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but that, that was like, I the think way I converted I was you to moleskin. You did that. I think through your your cousin, right? Yeah. Through your, you know, because he gave you that whole rundown of, like, how right. to approach sound. Right. Yeah. Um. The so the other things I was looking for you to say, Jeff, which you didn't say, which kind of blew my mind when when I saw them existed. That, that I saw they existed. It's like ankle braces for hiding, um, you know, uh, mics on the legs of of actors. Yeah. You know, and, ha- and having other ones for thighs, you know, for women, so you can hide them upside, like where their dress is, you know, because if, if they're bare legged. Um, and then aren't there more than just those? Yeah, there's those, those... Uh, waist belts. Uh, the ones I use are from Neopax. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have your waist belts, your your thigh belts, and, and ankle belts. Nice. And so how long did it figure you did it, did it take you to figure out, like, all the different things? Or was that just, like, you know... I mean, I, I'm Over still figuring time. out things, you know, 10 years into this. Nice. You know, there's, always, more, there's always new things that you always learn. More tools and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, so now how do you go about getting jobs? <laughs> do you find that they just come to you or are you out? I mean, I, I know a little bit. Like, I know you're, like, you're pretty well connected with other sound guys and, you know, things like that, right? Definitely connected. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, how I, I how do you that, do that? How do you get connected? How do I, how do I get connected? Uh, there's an, in, an initiation that you go through, and no. But uh, like seriously, I mean, because you're not on the same shoots as these people, right? I mean, most of the shoots, like any shoot I've ever done with you, is not a shoot where that requires multiple, uh, multiple people on, on sound. Right. Uh, there's uh, uh, like local uh, Facebook groups or, or 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 Gmail groups that you kind of connect with guys on that. Uh, you know, and and you meet them either by going to like a mixer mixer, like a meetup that we do like maybe like once a year, and uh, you know just a, a you know meet up at a bar and have some drinks and and, and talk shop or uh, or renting gear from other guys. That's a really good way to meet people is is by renting gear. I also want to recognize that I keep saying guy. We keep saying guys. Uh, there's but there's women right. sound recorders as well. That's right. That's yeah, right. I, I, I met. I'm uh, using guy in a very uh, loose term. I met a, a new. Uh, female sound mixer uh, the other day. Yeah, I've worked with a few um, in the past, but there's not that many in the Bay Area that I know of. Um, you know, but it's mostly mostly men. My friend Teresa, who does, who's now she's oh, a one yeah. at uh, the Paramount Theater, but um, her business card used to say "Sound Guy." I thought that was funny. Oh, that's really? pretty cool. Oh, hilarious. Um, so Jeff, like. These these oh here's a question so after after like compared to all the jobs you get how many of your jobs come from referrals from other sound people is it a lot of of jobs or is it mostly from you know past clients that you worked with or you know producers that you know etc. 
Uh, it that's not a metric I really track, but I would say probably 25, 35% come from other, other mixers that, oh, wow. Okay. Um, are, are booked in other stuff and then, uh, you know, they're unable to do it. Yeah. That, that's a, a lot of my work comes that way too, where I'm, it's like other video shooters calling me and saying, Hey, I, I got this job I can't do. Would you like to do it? You know? Yeah. I think I'll, that's pretty I'll common for you. most of us, right? Yeah, totally. Um, for you, like for both of you guys, I guess, like how many jobs a week or let, let's say how many jobs a month do you do on average? Do you say, would you say? Well, on average, the jobs a month. I think it's a little, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to just avoid and I'll, I'll try to answer the question, but ask, I'll preface by saying it's a little more difficult because Auric and I are edit as well. So there can be a job that might be. A but just say Isaac, like shooting dates, like how many shooting dates do you have in a month on average? Like how many days of shooting do you do? And on then you can also average, say like how, how many edits you have to deliver in a month. On average, time. I'm shooting one or two days a week, you know, somewhere in there, maybe two. So, maybe so, one. so, yeah, so one what, only. uh, eight, eight shooting days a month on average. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, I said one or, yeah, so. One or two is, you know, it's the difference between, you know, <laughs> right. four and eight. All right. Well, I, I can't. I mean, that's about as good an answer as I can give you. Okay. Yeah, I was in the which say, is low, but it's like I'm not just shooting, you know. Right. But the, but then, what's your editing on top of that? Like, how many editing days? If you could break them down into days, would you say you're putting in at the same time that you're getting paid to do? Like two, five, ten. I don't know. Uh, you can answer the question, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. Well, right? and then there's be... a question of right, and then so right. What, I'm not what's including. The question of? I'm not including my documentary work. No, even you're though not, some of that is right, but film. that's not just yeah. right. Even though like I have income coming in from say the Fred Eagle Smith movie or something. Well, yeah, but not a lot, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, not a lot, but like in the thousands of dollars that I've made. You know what I mean? Like not. Not nothing, so right. But not but a thousand dollars period. Not a thousand dollars a month. Well, not period and not a per month, but yeah, <laughs> somewhere in between. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, well, I can't. I'm not going to use right now as an example because I've been too busy. It's like busier than I've ever been the last six months. But I would say on average, I probably shoot five days a week. Not five days a week. Five days a <laughs> month. Five days a month, and then I shoot. I edit probably like maybe three full days a month on top of that. And then, you know, and there could be more than that. It could be no, less than that. No, that's way low for you. Are you kidding? You're saying you only work eight days a month usually? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think mean, that's way there's low definitely, for you. Okay, that's way low. All right, so what do you think? It's more like... I think we're getting way off topic and we should uh, circle we back because we're going to spend like... a. This is, we can discuss this on our next. Uh, next I thought it was a pretty simple question, somewhere. but you guys took it in a whole. Well, because well, it's, 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 a, it's a little different for us mm -hmm. because, like, okay, so if we're and then we're we're doing jobs where sometimes we're like producing them, and then there's going to be like, I don't know, you know, whatever, like pre-production meetings, and I I just feel like it's it's a it's a right. It, there's like it's, a, it's, a a little bit of a more of a spread of roles that complicate. It's also hard to say average because like some months I'll, I'll shoot one day a week that month. And then some months I'll have weeks days. where I shoot five days that week, you know? So it's really hard to give an average, you know, in, in mm -hmm. that way. But like for you, Jeff, since you only do one thing and it's more direct, like for you, how many days, uh, days a month are you working? Uh, on a, on a busy month, I would, I can do up to like 17 and then. Uh, on a slow month, probably like six or seven. Okay. That's a better answer than what we gave. It's <laughs> a more yeah, direct more answer. Direct. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. I can do the same. So busy month for me, 20 days, all all for everything. Slow month, yeah, eight days. And I think probably people listening to this understand this, but I think where I always get a little like, I don't know if defensive or insecure is the word, and when I'm talking to my friends who have normal jobs about this stuff, is like they see that as very being like, oh, wow, that sounds great and easy. It's like, well, there's lots of loose ends on these things. You have to you have to get the jobs. You have to talk to these people, you know, after the job, whatever. You've got to, like, invoice and keep your paperwork straight. Like, there's things that go into, like, 
being self-employed or having your own company uh, right. that are more sure work than just you. the shooting days. Right. I mean, I'd spend like half a day sometimes just tracking down payments, you know? Right. How, how often you know. do you deal with late payments, Jeff? Is that something that you regularly deal with in your work? No, not too often. Oh, really? So uh, you, you, most, most people pay are... within 30 days and, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes that's a, that's a day or two late, but that's a, that's not a huge issue. It's interesting because I was talking to another sound guy who was on the show, uh, David Sandwich, and he's constantly telling me stories about trying to track down rates uh, from, you know, this person or that person or this company. And he'll tell me stories about how it took me six months to get paid for this one job, but I got paid, you know, because I never let up. I made sure that they paid me, you know, so it seems like for him, it seems like it's more of a regular thing. I don't know what his answer would be if I asked him on the show, but um, but yeah, I don't know. It just seems like that's something that we all deal with as freelancers is like hunting down payment. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I would say there's like probably one or two jobs a year that, that you really have to hunt them down and, uh, work to get paid. Yeah. So my last big question I, I want to ask is, um, like what was the most challenging sound situation you ever been put in? And then how did you overcome that? Like, what did you do? Like, what did you have to deal with and how did you solve it? Let's see. Well, he thinks of that. I'll tell a story of working with Jeff uh, without naming clients or names or anyone. But uh, we we're doing this interview and the person on camera was uh, very strange uh, in the interview and not responsive to my questions. And just it was like, oh, God, like what? Like they were like spending twice as long with this trying to elicit the kind of answers I wanted and they were just all over the place. And it was like, Oh dear God, are we even going to be able to cut anything out of this? And then we just kind of were like, all right, we'll see what we can do with that and moved on to the B roll, uh, section of the shooter. I guess it was maybe a little more than B roll because Jeff still had the lav on him. And then, uh, he's like hanging out and some, and then he like whispered to his friend or something, how he had just dropped acid before this, uh, shoot <laughs> yeah, that's and, and jeff called me over and he's like hey uh, isaac uh, you want to listen to this i'm just gonna play this back for you and i was like oh that's what happened so that was an that's interesting so uh thing. i remember that i was there <laughs> yeah that that was a fun day all right jeff you got a story <laughs> for us come on man uh i so the one i'm going to tell you i know which one you want to hear but the one i'm going to tell you uh, was this one time I was working with a Hall of Fame baseball player, and we're we're shooting up in his uh, up in his uh, garage uh, where he has all these fancy cars, and I'm gonna start over because I don't want to tell tell you who it is. You didn't say who it was. I, I yeah, but you can figure it out. No, you can't. I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> the story I'm gonna tell you is uh, 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 shooting in this Hall of Fame baseball players. Uh, <laughs> just, just you're good. You're fine. So you're you're in the fancy garage. Let's Hall of cars. Fame athlete. All right. I don't, I don't even know what sport. So we're shooting in this this Hall of Fame baseball players uh, place of business, and it's a it's a <laughs> place of business. <laughs> okay, fine, fair enough. Go ahead. It's it, we're doing a 360 shoot, uh, which I had never done at the time and didn't know that it was going to be a 360 shoot before I showed up, and. Uh, so, you know, they told me they would be able to paint the mic out and it, and it was all good. And, uh, you know, put the mic in went and hid behind uh, uh, the, the corner and was good to go. And, uh, you know, as we're going a little bit, they, they, they tell me I need to raise the mic a little bit. So I had to come out from my corner, run over to, to raise the mic. And before I got there, this guy starts like like hitting the mic, hitting the boom mic. Uh, like complaining. hitting it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm like, 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 well, like, whoa, 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 like, I, I'm, I'm here, I'll do it, I'll do it. And, you know, he's, he starts giving me a hard time. Oh, where, where were you at, man? Why, why am I doing your job for you? And uh, Wait, is this of, the baseball, the, the player, or is the, this? Yeah, this uh, is the Hall of Fame baseball player that has. Oh, okay. Wow, so know. he starts to touch your mic because, you know, yeah. okay. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out, like, how to, how to react to him. And, you know, he's like, you know, where were you at? Well, wait, you know, why, why am I doing your job for you? I'm like, Reggie. Nah, <laughs> let's cut that out. Like, dude. <laughs> Reg, Reg. <laughs> <laughs> I 
What does he like, think he's doing your job? I don't understand. By hitting your mic? Yeah, because because I was buried in a corner, so I had to I had to make my way out and and of this corner. You mean he's walking? What do you mean hitting your mic? He's literally like like grabbing my microphone and, and hitting it with his hand. Why? Wow. Like it's a punching bag? Yeah. Like, like he's a, trying a, to make he, it move up or something? Like he's trying to raise it for you? He was just trying to be a, a smartass, I think. We're, uh, okay. We're, All right. So, and so, so yeah, so and you so say dude. Whole... So what What do you say to him? You say dude what? <laughs> uh, you, know, you say dude. You got to finish the story. Can, can I do it. a different story? Oh, my God. Should we hold for that plane? <laughs> no, we should not. All right. No holding for planes. All right. Can we just skip this question? We're, like we're going to edit part of that story in. No, 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 no. Don't and use then that story. just have you abandoning it. Don't don't use that story. Can we just do that? It's pretty good. It was good even finish, up till then. Just finish the story, and then we're and then we'll be good. Because I didn't really say anything to him. I just I just kept my mouth shut and went back. That's fine. Yeah, and it, I mean it was super hard to keep my mouth shut. And so what? But the, so what did you? But how, so you got the you got the mic up, but you, you adjusted the mic. You went back, and then the scene played out. You know? Yeah, yeah. Went back, got the mic up, uh, went back to my hiding place, and the interview went fine. Uh, but we were just shooting with him the rest of the day, and 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 you know he's just constantly like 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 picking at me, trying to bust my balls, is what uh, one of his employees referred to it as. That that he's sort of notorious for doing that. And uh, you know, just stuck with stuck with it. And by the end of the day, he was talking, basically talking trash about other uh, crew members to me. And all of a sudden, I was his best friend. <laughs> That's funny. So, so classic. That, this, classic. So there's a le- there's that. a lesson here because like this guy's like there? being totally disrespectful, and you know whatever messing with your shit. The and lesson you is out. that it's, it's like locker room mentality, and it's dumb. But whatever. No, yeah. I think the lesson is like. You know, like you could have gotten mad and, you know, talked back to him and probably would have gotten fired on the spot. Um, but you didn't. You just, you know, kept your shit together. We're a professional. And then by the end of the day, you you know, it was like it was all fine. I mean, the, the guy might have been inappropriate and bad the whole way through the whole time. But like you got through the job, you did your job and, you know, you did it well. But that's, I think that's a good lesson. It's like, you know, sometimes you have to keep your mouth shut, which, I mean, maybe it's not the best lesson, but I think it's true, you know? Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Isaac? Do you so, think he should have, what he should have done? Should he walked out, walked out, you know, and take, taking his shit? And, no, I'm it's hard. I mean, when you're, um, when you're being, when you're there, you know, that was like, uh, I had a shoot in uh, Sacramento recently and uh, it was at the Capitol building for uh, the Latino Community Foundation, and they were lobbying some legislators. And we were waiting in somebody's office, and some. And then there was there, there was this whole thing, this anti-vax. But I didn't realize what was going on. But that was the day they were like passing this bill about vaccinations and stuff. And then I said something. I was like, "So are all these, like I said it to just the people we were with. I was like, "So are all these people here in the halls? Are they all?" anti-vaxxers and then i turned around and i was like he's or i didn't even turn around i just heard behind me these two women say like what's your problem with anti-vaxxers all aggressive and i was like oh i didn't realize there were some standing <laughs> right behind me and then like then they're like kind of questioning about that and it was like well i'm not gonna have an argument with them here like i'm 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 here as a you know a paid contractor for the Latino Community Foundation, so this is not my business to get into a political argument with uh, anti-vaxxers. So all I could, you know what I mean? Like on one hand, I felt bad because I have to like just shut up about my principles, but on the other hand, it's like you know this is not why I'm here. So I have to just because like, you had oh. like a camera in hand, and you're like shooting yeah. B-roll, right? Yeah, right, or waiting yeah. to shoot B-roll. I was like, oh no, sorry, oops, I didn't. Uh, yes, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's a good story, Isaac. I'm trying to think of like, I don't know, there's all the good old uh, DG story, but we don't have to tell that right now. Um, Isaac, uh, you know the uh, story. One thing I wanted to say, though, that kind of fits into this a little bit, or I wanted to ask, was that I feel like working with you on set, you're rather invisible in the best way. You know what I mean? You come in and you do your job and you're not chiming in to lots of things you're not really talking unless someone's asking you about sound you're like kind of keep contained you know i feel like 
Uh, and I wanted whether that's just kind of naturally the way you conduct business or whether that is something you learned or like, or whether that's a philosophy you decided to adopt and just kind of um, be, you know, invisible, quiet, sound guy on a set. Yeah, it, it really depends who I'm working with. Like if I if I know you, like I, I work with you guys often, so uh, I would say I'm a little bit more upbeat when I'm working with you guys. But if it's if I don't know you very well, I'm, I'll probably hang back a little bit, you know, do my own thing set up, make sure I'm good to go before uh, I'll start engaging with the rest of the crew. I don't mean in some like shy, timid way. I just kind of mean like almost like in just a super professional way. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. not there to, uh, I don't know what. I do. To be the life of the party, you know, to or be to the be life like of the, the party, or the just attention. to kind of be like, oh, I have an opinion about this or like, you know what I mean? It's like you kind of respect, you know, you, it just comes off as very professional. You understand the whole process. And if there is something to add about the sound, you'll add it or, or you'll trust that the producer will ask you that, or you're not jumping mm -hmm. in a lot with, um, with like, uh, let's say even like, oh, we should redo that take because of the sound, which I feel like is an, is an interesting thing because as somebody who's conducting interviews, sometimes I don't want the sound person to say that because it's a very good chance I know I'm not going to use that answer, but I don't want I don't want the talent to know I'm not going to use that answer or that they just wasted everybody's time going way off topic. You know, I want to pre keep pretending like that was a great answer. But then if somebody jumps in and says, oh, you might want to redo that one because of the plane, then it's like, well, either I have to now explain to their face that that was a useless answer or just redo it to save face. Well, and I feel like that doesn't happen with you that you I don't know, you can pick up on those things or you go or I could look. And you can tell me with a gesture or a word whether that was good or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not explaining it well, but I feel like you you, you but, go into that, you know. But isn't that like a conversation or some sort of like understanding that you establish with your team before you start shooting, Jeff? Or is that something that you just play on like, as you go? Yeah, I, I never want to interrupt talent, even if, you know, the take is not usable because uh, I don't want to take them out of their out of their place that, that, that they're doing you know no I mean uh, but do you ever ask people if if they want you to interrupt like do you ever like check in with your director or your producer whoever's conducting the interview beforehand and say hey like if, if there's a sound issue should I say something or do you want to just keep them rolling or like how, how, how do you do you ever do that or do you always just decide in the moment whether or not to say something uh, it, it depends on the situation uh, if we're in a in an environment where I know we're going to get a lot of uh, traffic noise or, or, you know, bogeys, uh, in the background, uh, I will, uh, touch base with, with them and, and ask them what's acceptable. If we can see the sound in the background, that where the sound is coming from, is that acceptable? Uh, you know, just to touch base with, with what they are looking for. Right. 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 Uh, but, right. but generally I, I try to like with you, you know, I, I'll try to use, uh, hand signals and facial expressions and and you know to tell you if if something's good or bad or if we th if we need to redo it because uh, i don't want to interrupt talent right because uh, right. you know sometimes it, it can you can use part of it part of the question part of the answer in uh you know in, in the edit yeah i love that about working with you because it's like they don't even yeah. need to know that we're having a conversation a secret side conversation about right you know things that are happening there they're just still in their role and they you know they're not being distracted on whether that was a usable take for some technical reason. Yeah. Um, and, I, and we can still communicate about it on the slide. And, and I feel like, you know, most great sound recorders are like that, you know, like I, I'm constantly staring at the sound person on my shoots. If I'm either constantly. a producer He's not even looking at the or camera, DP. he's just staring at the sound person. No, like if I'm a, <laughs> whatever, Isaac, but yeah, if I'm a producer, especially, and I'm not in charge of camera, then like if I hear something and no one else is saying anything, like I always look at the sound person and I do like a thumbs up or a, you know, some sort of gesture and, and they usually, you know, answer back, you know, or, or that like, you know, tells that they like decide to say something once I've looked at them and been like, eh, is that good enough? You know? And then they're like, okay, well I'm going to speak up now because you know, this guy cares, you know? Um, but that's, yeah, I feel like we're, we, since we know each other, Jeff, like 
that's just something that we do all the time. Like we were on a job a little while ago and uh, we were totally communicating the whole time. And then like, you know, one of the clients asked something about it and we were like, no, no, it's good. We're, we're on it. <laughs> you know, um, But it's like, yeah, I think that silent communication is really important. Um, we have to leave soon, but like any last words or any last bits of wisdom, you know, that you want to pass on to your fellow sound mixers or someone who's like thinking about getting into being a sound person full time. Uh, yeah, give me a moment. Dear God needs moments. <laughs> Just kidding. I wrote it down. Mark didn't like my joke about constantly looking at the sound guy. I think we have to cut that out now because he reacted very uh, angrily to it. Oh yeah, angrily. Whatever, Isaac. Whatever, Isaac. I hate you. <laughs> no, we'll leave it in. It's good. It's you okay. can't leave it in if you if it sounds like I because then it sounds like you made it sound like it wasn't a joke. Like it was like I was just being mean. You are being mean. <laughs> Whatever. I'm probably not going to edit this one. Um, if Isaac, if you want to edit this one, you can. Uh, you can do all the editing to your heart's delight, or it'll just be up to the editor who edits it, and then they'll, uh, you know, they'll decide. I think Isaac should edit it. Yeah, I <laughs> might have to. Jeff trusts you to, to make the right choices, Isaac. Exactly. I do. I'll probably, yeah, this whole thing will probably be like a five-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to all be cut out. Um, let's see. So th- I think the best advice for, for new mixers uh, or people that are thinking about getting into the industry is – uh, when you're on set, to just to read the room, know when to insert yourself uh, into uh, a conversation. Uh, you know whether it's uh, miking up talent or talking to a director about something that 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 you need uh, in, in order to make a to capture a good sound. And uh, and also you know just learn general set etiquette. You'll you'll pick up the lingo and all that, but just just learn from the other other professionals that are on set. Do you feel like? in the world of sound mixing that like if someone just wants to get a steady job and be on set and they love uh you know production and and video and even filmmaking to a degree that like sound being a sound mixer is like a really good like solid role to go into because everybody wants to be in camera everybody wants to be a director even to this extent everybody wants to be a producer but like not as many people want to be sound mixers no, I mean you have to love it. You have to like enjoy what you do specifically because you know if you really want to be in camera, uh, which I never wanted to be, uh, I think you're you're going to be you know always looking at what they're doing and not paying attention to what 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 your job really should be entailing. Yeah, but I mean, what what if you don't care? If you're just like I I want to be on set. I don't care what job I have. You know, I'm happy to do anything. Is this like something that yeah, I really think you have to want to do this job because sometimes, uh, you know, you are the only guy on set that's trying to do something that's not visual. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a passion for it, I think that will come across in your quality of work. All right, Isaac, do you have any last questions? I don't think so. Um, you know, we had on our uh, on our outline talking about, you know, raising a family as a mm-hmm. freelancer and whether that's viable, which is something Jeff has experience with. And uh, also, Jeff's done some, you know, short documentaries we were going to talk to him about. But we're at the hour, so maybe we want to wrap it up and not touch on those. What do you think? Right. Well, you brought them up, so now you feel like you have to say something. Or you can just – here, you get the final question, Isaac. You can do whatever you want with it. You can go into those topics – you can wrap it up. You can do whatever you think. It's your world right now. You make the choice. Well, can you tell us a little bit since we're, since we touched on it now, what, like, tell us about the film. What have you directed? How'd it come about? Uh, the last film that, that I've directed that came out was uh, uh, better known as Peaches Christ uh, that I co-directed with Nate Visconti. And uh, uh, that came out in 2017. And uh, we had an, some nice uh, little uh, festival runs with it. Uh, it's pretty short. It's only about four minutes long. And it, it basically goes into uh, uh, drag, the drag queen Peaches Christ and, and who her alter ego is uh, and, and the similarities that both uh, both of them share with each other. Nice. If that makes sense. 
Awesome. So so that's can... great, and we can send people to that link, and I kind of right. have to check off. <laughs> well, here, you need to do the outro, so oh. go for it. We're going to wrap up this show. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to Jeff for being on the show. Jeff, where that's... can we see that documentary, by the way? Uh, it's on Vimeo. So just search for uh, Better Known, Better as, known Peaches as, Christ. as Peaches Christ. Cool. All right. Uh, you can check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at podcast. I'm at Isaac Pingree on Twitter, and Ulrich is at Ulrich B on Twitter and Instagram. And Jeff, where are you? List. Like, where, where's where's your web website uh, for your business? Like, are you on Twitter and Facebook? Like, where can people find you? On Facebook, uh, just uh, you know, search my name. Uh, my website is uh, appetiteforproduction.com. Nice, awesome. So, if you need a sound person, that's where to go. Where you go? That yeah, absolutely. What's your Instagram? Appetite for production. Nice. Awesome. Oh, and you have like n- nice, sexy new stickers that you just uh, handed out to the lucky few who, who work with you. Yeah. I'm very pr- proudly rocking We should have done some kind of contest phone. element on this to win a sticker. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, you now you brought it up. So, Jeff, uh, okay. Okay. So, here's, here's the thing. So, if you can... Uh, Name the first thing that uh, Jeff named out of like the the accessories that he got as a sound person, which is in this podcast. Uh, if you uh, tw- Instagram it or t- to Jeff, then he'll give you a free sticker. Or leave it as uh, a comment on the Facebook post of this when Auric posts this on Facebook. Right. Leave it on the Facebook post to this, and then whoever gets it right first, then you'll get a sticker from Jeff. Oh, that was great. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll it, give stickers to whoever wants them. So no, damn it. You just no. Ruin the whole contest. It's a contest. Damn I it. mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> if you like the show, that. you can tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, and uh, that's all. That's all I got. That's the outro. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Jeff, for a great episode. Uh, Isaac, thank you for a half okay job co-hosting. Um, you know, wasn't terrible, but it wasn't the best. But uh, I think it's still going to be a good episode. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody.